0: Hey, thanks for joining us today. We're so glad that you came. I hope you enjoy today's message.
1: There's somebody who's watching us today, and you're a person who looks at everything with skepticism, and you've wanted to know God personally, but you're always going, I don't know if I can receive God like that. I have a hard time with that church. I have a hard time with those people. I have a hard time with the way, the way Christians conduct themselves. I don't know who this is for, but God's showing me that there's somebody watching right now. You're looking for God, but you don't want to find him that way. I'm here to let you know that humans will fail you, but God will never fail you. Don't worry about that stuff. I'm here to give you the word of God today, but I'm a human and I will make mistakes. Don't put your faith on me. Don't put your faith on anybody else. If things seem shady, it's because everybody needs Jesus. Everybody makes a mistake, but God is real and God wants you to know him personally. There's somebody watching who needs to hear that right now. Stop thinking about that stuff. Go after God. Don't go after God's people. Go after God. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, God, for the truths that you're depositing in our heart this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your experience. We give all things to you this morning. I pray that you just get our hearts and our minds uh, out of our own way so that we have a clear, direct line to you as we talk about you, as we worship you. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we all say together? Amen. Amen. Have a seat. If you're ready, God is in the house. Man, I forgot how tall, I'm a little guy, I'm a short guy, thanks Clint, and this, uh, this thing is, I'm probably going to walk around this thing a lot, because I don't, I don't do well with this, praise the Lord, uh, happy Mother's Day to all you moms, all you grandmothers and great-grandmothers and spiritual moms and foster moms, and I mean, Pastor Rich said this morning, none of us would be here without our mom, and that's super true in so many ways, Praise the Lord. I'm grateful for my wife uh, who's with my kids at home right now. It's not just for my kids. I would be a mess without my wife. So thank you, honey, for taking care of me as well. We've been in this series in Ephesians, and it's been awesome. Pastor Bethany kicked us off last week talking about our position in Christ. We are seated with Christ. And she talked about what all of that means. How because Jesus has taken our sin upon himself, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and now he is seated in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. And because of that, we get to share in his position. He allows us to have authority and power to overcome sin and to make a difference in this world because of what Jesus has already done. Amen? Did you pick up on that last week? If you, didn't, if you missed church last week, go back and watch that. The, the podcast is up on Spotify and on iTunes. You can hear all our sermons. It's on our website. I highly encourage you to go back and check that out. And if you haven't used the Ephesians journal, even if you're starting late, I recommend that too. Read the book of Ephesians with us and start from the beginning and go through those scriptures. There's 21 days of devotions in there for you to be able to participate in that with us. Especially for those of you who want to build a relationship with Jesus and you're like, I just don't know how to start. I don't have the discipline. The Bible doesn't make sense to me. I get that. That's a real thing. We want to help you. So use tools. Use things that are available at your disposal. So make sure you grab one of those journals. So today I want to talk with you guys about what it means to walk in Christ. What it means to live a life where we are walking in a manner worthy of Christ. So the first whole half of the book of Ephesians, this letter that Paul was writing to the Ephesian church is all, it starts off with about who Christ is and what he's done for us. And now our identity is found in him. Then the second half of the letter, Paul starts to transition into, okay, so if you belong to Jesus. What does that look like? How am I supposed to live my life now? And he opens up chapter 4 with this saying. He says, I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now the word walk, walking in Jewish custom was actually a term that described your conduct. It's how you live. So Paul is trying to say how we conduct ourselves should be in the Lord and not in any place else. We're talking about how we conduct ourselves in our personal life and in our encounters with everyone else in society. And God has a standard of how we should conduct ourselves. Now, we don't always meet it. We are going to come short of that standard at times. But because we put our trust in God, we know that he forgives us and allows us to keep going and keep letting him change us slowly over time until we can reach that standard in our behavior. And you're never going to quite get there all your life until you're, you're passed away and you're with God for all of eternity. You're never going to quite get there. But there is a goal to strive towards. I remember this time when we were living in an apartment. My wife and I were living in an apartment complex just down the road from here. My daughter was going to school. Uh, My wife and I are both at work. And there's this one day where I get done with work early. And so I go home. I go into the apartment. I go through the way it's set up. There's a kitchen here. And there's a living room here. And then the bedroom's in the back. So I go into the bedroom and I'm starting to get changed. And my daughter gets home from school. And she doesn't know that I'm there. And we had this rule. Okay, when you go home, the first thing you do is you do your schoolwork. If you have homework, you don't turn on any TV, you don't do anything else, you're going to do your schoolwork, and then you can relax. Now, normally she's home by herself for the first little while here. And, and we get home a little bit after. So she comes in, sits down right away, turns the TV on. I'm in the back room. And I'm sitting there for a second, and I'm like, do I spoil this? Like, I'm just going to wait and see how long she... I, I waited a good, like, five minutes just to be like, is she going to turn that TV off and do the right thing? She has no idea. So finally, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to, I'm just going to like scare the crap out of her. And I'm just going to walk right up into the living room. So I do. So I, I slowly open the door. I creep up. I see the TV on. She's around the corner, sitting on the couch. I say, hey, what are you doing? She loses it, s- s- turns ghostly white, looks for the remote, turns the TV off. She goes, Nothing. She got in trouble. Now, why did she respond that way? Is, is TV evil? Maybe sometimes. She was watching Nickelodeon or something. It wasn't anything crazy. And she, she responded that way because she knew, well, my parents have a standard. My parents have a, a level of conduct that they've told me I have to adhere by in order to, to live up to their standard. And when I come home, I'm going to do exactly what they said. And if I do something different, I'm breaking off of that standard. We had set for her a level of conduct, a way you need to conduct yourself in your regular life, in your disciplines, and in your daily routines. And she knew that. And she knew that she was sliding away from it and kind of making an excuse to do something that she wanted to do and kind of come up with her own timetable. So it wasn't necessarily about making really good or really bad choices. She didn't do something that was going to end her life and destroy the world. But she did not live up to the conduct level that we had set for her. And that's what's more important. See, when we're talking about what it means to walk in Christ, what it means to have your conduct match Christ, we're talking about our behavior. The problem is you're never going to just obey God by trying really hard. Instead, what has to happen is you have to remember who you are and why you want to live that way. It goes back to your identity. So if I can sum that up, I would say this. Your choices have to come from a changed life first. And that changed life will then produce good behavior. Identity first, good behavior second. Now, Jesus did not die on the cross just so that you could make good choices. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you could figure out what is right and what is wrong. It goes so much deeper than that. So now as Christians... We are not just trying to make decisions that are good for ourselves. We're trying to make decisions from a completely different place. See, the world has two standards for how they make decisions. The world that we live in is always measuring up to one of these two standards. One, when I'm going to make a choice, is that choice good for my personal health and wealth? Okay? Are you with me? Y'all quiet. I don't like quiet church. I need to be loud. Number two, number two, Is this decision good for society collectively? I'm a millennial. Don't hold that against me. My generation loves social justice and causes. And if something's good for the collective, it's the best thing you can do, and everything's about society. And so as human beings today, we live by one of these two standards. And when I make a choice, is it going to be good for me, or is it going to be good for society collectively? If it accomplishes one of those things, great. It's worth doing. If it accomplishes both, hey, that's even better. But as a Christian now, when you're following Christ, when you're walking in Christ, you don't make decisions from either of those two places. You're, everything is about wanting to know God more. We were all created to know God. In the very beginning, the whole purpose of our existence, the whole reason God made stuff, is so that we could experience relationship with him. So every decision we make is about knowing him more. And getting other people to know him as well. So do you see what a difference that is? That means if I'm making a decision. I'm not starting from a place of well how is this going to make me feel? How is this going to produce for me? And I'm also not making a decision to say like well what's, what's the best for the world around me? What's the best for society? Those aren't bad things. But they're not supposed to be our motivation anymore. Our motivation has switched gears where we say, God, I know what you've done for me. And so now I just want to be closer to you. I just want to know you more. I want to understand you. I want to spend time in your presence. And so my decisions have to come from a place of wanting that truth. There's this story in the book that this whole series we're doing in Ephesians is based on. It's called Sit, Walk, Stand. You heard Pastor Rich talk about that. It's this book. In this story... The author, Watchman Nee, tells a story of a man who owned a rice field. And so this man owns a rice field during a drought. And the way that they would funnel water into the fields during the drought is they would use a water wheel. And then, you know, they would divert the water into their fields. Well, in these rice fields, this one man owns a field, and then another man owns two fields that are lower than his. And so what would happen is the second man would come and he would create... A small hole in the barrier of the first man's field, and he would divert all the water down so that it would water his fields. He's stealing the water. He's taking it so that he can get his fields watered first. This happens like three, four times. Finally, the first man who owns the upper field, he goes to his brothers and sisters in Christ and he says, I I feel like I gotta do something about this, right? Like, is this right that he's doing this? And so they talk about it and they pray about it and his Christian friends say to him, if we're only trying to do what's right, we're pretty bad Christians. We want to make our decisions from the place of the cross. This needs to be more about Jesus than it is about what's right in our eyes. So the first man makes a decision while he is filling his field, he intentionally lets the water trickle down to the lower two fields and he waters his neighbor's fields first. And then he puts all this work in to water his field second. Why would a person ever do that? Again, let's look at our two bases. Is, is this better for my health and wealth? No. This is more work for me to bless somebody who is frankly robbing me and, and affecting my life in a negative way. Does this collectively help society? If you think about it logically, absolutely not. We are encouraging somebody to take advantage of somebody else. We are not. We don't believe in doing that. If somebody steals from me, I want them to go to prison so they learn not to do it again and we have law and order in our society. I'm not looking to help somebody take advantage of me. Those things don't make sense to us. So why was this a good decision? Well, what happens is the man who owns the lower two fields goes to the man who owns the upper field and says, hey, why did you do that? And the man in the upper field gets to tell him who Jesus is and how much God loves him how God wants to take care of him, God wants to meet his needs. And that second man becomes a Christian. That's what it's about. It's about me knowing God more and others knowing God more. The basis of my decisions do not come from a place of myself and taking care of me. They come from a place of knowing God more and getting others to experience him. That's the starting point of our walking in Christ. Does that make sense? You see, that means, though, that we have to be willing to lay down the things we want in terms of the longer goal. Of Because here's the other thing, guys. Relationship with Jesus, it's very, very rarely is it like an overnight thing. There's, there's very rarely this immediate satisfaction. We go through phases where it gets difficult and it's struggling. And taking care of yourself, you're going to get a kick from that. Your mind and your brain and your body are going to get a kick out of you meeting your needs first. So it's hard to put that aside to be able to play the long game and say, you know what, God, I want to be closer to you. And that, you're going to be able to see growth, but you've got, you got to play for the long haul with God. You've got to put those things aside. Does that make sense? So you've got to be thinking that way. All right, so I want you to look at this with me. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This thing is so tall. Now, this I say, starting from verse 17, I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Sounds pretty bad, right? But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, that belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's break this down. Let's look at this for a second. Paul says you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, what is a Gentile? A Gentile was a term that meant you're not Jewish. That's it. So most people that the Bible is written to, most people in the world are, are not Jewish. That's a small part of the population. So this is actually being written to most people. We sometimes think the word Gentile means like this bad person. It just means you're not Jewish. So Paul is writing to a very large group of people. And he's writing a letter to the Ephesians. Ephesus is a city in the Roman Empire. When we read these kinds of lists, when we see things like futility of their minds, we immediately think like of the worst of the worst people. Like we're like, these are drug dealers. These are like Wall Street moguls who are like smuggling money, breaking laws. Like these are the worst of the worst people. These are scumbags, but they're not. Paul's writing to the Ephesians in Ephesus. In the Roman Empire, if Rome is like Washington DC, Ephesus is like L.A. These people are educated. They are put together. They are artistic. They are disciplined. They are classy. They look like they've got it all together. And Paul calls them futile in their thinking. Why? Because they're not thinking from a place of knowing God more and getting others to know him. Everything else is worthless. These might look like great lofty goals to be able to have this kind of society where we're doing these things and we're accomplishing these things. But in the long run, if you're walking with Christ, those things don't matter. It's all going to be worthless when you die. Eventually society is going to be gone and it's just going to be God and everyone who knew him. So live that way now. Let's keep reading this. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Listen to this. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to every practice and every kind of impurity. Again, this sounds like Jeffrey Epstein. This doesn't sound like the everyday person like you and me. This does not sound like successful people that we look at and admire and are like, oh, I want to live like them. Look at their life. They look so great. Look what they do for charity and for the poor and whatever. He's saying that all of these people, they don't realize that they're living a life by making decisions that in the long run come from a place of deceit. It's going to become greedy. Even if you try to do something nice for someone else, if you're doing it just to satisfy your own heart, your own ego, it comes from a place of selfishness. You're going you're gonna to be involved in greedy practices, not because you want to, but because no matter what, if your motivation to walk in Christ isn't really about Christ, it's about taking care of you or just making the world a better place, it always leads to a, a form of emptiness. I know this personally. I have lived life where I've tried to accomplish things in my own strength. I've tried to make a name for myself. I've tried to do something big and flashy and get people to know me, and it left me so empty inside. I promise you, it doesn't work. The only thing that's going to fill you, the only thing that's going to satisfy you, is knowing God and living to want to know Him more all of the time. Are you with me? Now let's look at this too. Praise God. He says, that is not the way you learned Christ. Paul says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former way of life. Now let's, now we got different people here. Some people, listen to this, watching us, you've been a Christian for a long time. You've known about God, you've known about Jesus, you know about religion. And some are new to this. So when we talk about walking in Christ, this looks different for everybody, right? But there's a clear distinction that is made regardless of what part of the journey you're on. If you are saying you're a Christian, there's an old self and there's a new self. Now we've got to look at this objectively, Can you identify in your own life? Think about it for a second. Can you identify in your life a way you used to live and the way you live now? Can you see a clear difference anywhere in some of your patterns of behavior, in some of the ways you've been thinking back in your old self before you lived for Jesus, and now? If the answer is yes, great. Hold on to that. Remember that because that's motivation for you to know that God is faithful and that it's worth it to live the long haul walking in Christ. If you're listening to me right now and you're thinking, I don't really know. I'm not sure if I can really tell. Let's look at that. Let's examine that because we want that to happen. You want to be able to look at the old way of life, the old patterns of thinking that you have. And be able to walk away from them and say, I'm going to take that off and put on new patterns where I make decisions that are about knowing God and getting others to know about God. So that's a goal for you. I'm not here to criticize you, but I want to encourage you that your goal is to see an old pattern of things that are kind of futile and not really worth it, not fulfilling. Let them go and start investing your life into things that last forever, which means things that help you know God more and things that help other people know God more. Now this gets tricky for us as Christians because we're talking a lot about where our time goes. Where we are investing ourselves. We are all a product of our environment. No matter what. You know the phrase, you are what you eat? Yeah, you never? No? I thought that was popular. You ever heard of that? Right? Okay. Think about this. What you are feeding your mind is what you are going to be. What your habits are doing on a regular basis, that's going to dictate your character for the rest of your life. That's how humans are wired. That's how we work. The things you're doing now will not randomly produce a different result later. So we have to stop and be intentional about how we are investing our time. If we're spending five minutes a day trying to talk to God, read the Bible, pray, and then we spend... Four hours filling our minds with every other kind of thinking, whether it's through Netflix and Hulu or or a group of people who maybe don't have a a like-minded Christian thinking or some other activity. I'm not. Maybe that activity is not sinful. Maybe that activity is not bad. It's not about that. It's not about right and wrong. Remember, it's about does it help me want to know God more or doesn't it? How much time am I giving to those things? Because what you put in your mind is going to determine your priorities. And your priorities will determine where you end up. There's no way around that. So instead of asking this question, God, is this too bad for me? Don't even ask that question. Ask this question. God, is this going to hinder me getting to know you more? That's the question you want to ask before you make a choice. Before you make a decision. If I put this in front of my eyes, is God, is this going to make it more difficult for me to get to know you more? Is this going to make it harder for me to live for you if I put this in front of my eyes, if I put this in my mind, if I spend my time doing this? I I tell you, it's amazing how we go through life sometimes, and, and we spend no time with God, and tons of time in everything else. And then the crisis comes, and we cry out, and we go, oh God, I need help. God save me. But there's no reservoir of faith that we believe God's going to even do what we're asking for because we don't know him. We haven't spent time with him. And, and it's amazing. You can, you can cry out all day long. I rebuke this in Jesus' name. But there's no storehouse of faith that God's going to come through because you haven't spent any time there. Does it, you know what I'm saying? Think, think of it this way too. If you're a person, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're watching this right now, Or maybe you're starting a relationship with Jesus, but you have no discipline. You have no time. Hey, that's okay. Five minutes is good for you. That is a great start. Make a routine habit. Every day, even if it's for a couple minutes a day, you're going to start to create a habit where at least you're putting God first. And you watch. That's a seed that will grow. That will start to overflow and stretch into other areas and other chambers of your life that will help dictate your decisions. And over time, you're going to get hungry for more you consistently spend five minutes. I'm not trying to put down the five minutes thing, because if you spend five minutes a day with God, you're going to get a hunger that's going to make you want to up that to 10 minutes. Then it's going to make you want to up it to 15 minutes to a half an hour, and then you're going to get to a point where you're spending more time with God, but now you're reevaluating the other things you put your time in. You know, I always watch like four hours of TV at night because I just need to veg and I'm tired, but I feel like that's I feel like that's not making me actually feel rested and relaxed. It's not giving me what I want. I want to spend more time with God. So now you're putting more time in with God, but you're spending even less time in things that are not of God. Again, not because maybe you're not watching something filthy, but it's not about that. It's about whether or not it consumes you and fills you up with the presence of God. Spend more time doing things that fill you up with the presence of God than things that don't. Spend some time listening to worship music. I know sometimes there's types of music we don't like there's worship artists out there I'm like I don't know if I care for this but there's a lot out there explore look around feed your mind and feed your entertainment with things that reflect who God is and things that are about him because otherwise how are you feeding your ability to make choices that make you want to get to know God and make you want to get others to know about God you with me I want to keep talking just for a second before we wrap this up about some some practical next steps. Every day, you are going to be faced with a natural inclination in your mind and in your flesh. Your flesh is your body, your earthly self. Every day, you're going to feel this natural inclination to want to satisfy it somehow. This is normal. Our brain chemistry is wired to want to appease fatigue and quelch pain and hurt. What we're not used to is the fact that the things we find in life that give us that rest and that peace, they're incredibly temporary. They're like drugs. They're meant to give you a quick fix and then leave you needing more than the last time. So I'm not against, listen, rest is important. Relaxing is important. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to tell you here. But ultimately... The things that you do to feed yourself and give you the kind of inner peace and the ability to kind of get through life and cope with life, those things aren't actually helping us like we think they are. Spending time with God actually helps. But again, we don't always notice that because we live in a society where we have the attention span of a goldfish. It's not, that's a, that's a, like a science thing. I'm not using that as like a catchy phrase. Like the youngest generation right now, they think their attention span is roughly eight seconds. It's pretty small. And I can tell from some of your faces, you're like, I didn't know it was that high. Um, Yeah, eight seconds now seems like a long time. And we just came out of COVID, uh, you know, 2020, where we were experiencing life very remotely. Everything's loaded with ads. Everything is look at it for a second and swipe up or swipe left or swipe right. And, you know, our brains are designed to go, I mean, I'm sure there's some of you who are finding a real hard time paying attention to me right now because I've been talking 15 minutes and that's not normal anymore. I get it. But ultimately, The things that you're used to to help you pass the time and pass the fatigue and suppress the pain and get through life when you're dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety, those things are drugs that give you a quick shot. They're not going to do the job. One thing does the job. Funnel in some time with Jesus. Even when you don't feel like it, great. Your feelings are probably wrong. That's okay. Do it. Invest in it. There's an app called the U Version Bible app. Oh, good. We got people using it. There's others too. There's tons of Bible study tools out there and they're free. And if you're like, I don't have the discipline to start doing this and I don't know what I'm reading half the time, download the app, find a reading plan. Some of them are short, like five, seven days. You can invite friends to do it with you to hold you accountable. Get somebody to do this with you. And start spending those devotions every day and start creating a space where you're funneling in things that are good and things that are not garbage. And you're going to see different results in your life. So the two things I want you to remember, I'm wrapping this up, I'm going to have the worship team come on back up and we're going to to close this by spending more time in God's presence. But these two big things I want you to remember, right? I need you to know that if you've decided to follow Jesus or if you want to follow Jesus, recognize this. The decisions you make come from a place of wanting to know God more and wanting others to know God more. It does not come from a place of taking care of yourself or just making the world a better place. You won't even make the world a better place. You'll try and the same problems will recur and will revert back to where we were before because nothing works. Only getting people to know Jesus actually makes society better anyway. So that's why that's our goal. If I get somebody to change their behavior But they don't know Jesus, that does nothing. That behavior won't last. Eventually, they're going to do something to tick off somebody else. The one thing that matters is you knowing God and others knowing God. The other thing is, okay, feeding myself. What is my mind? What are my eyes? What is my body doing? I want to make a decision where my conduct reflects Christ. You got to spend time with him. You got to get to know him. Right? All right. So when we go home today, we're going to do something about that, right? Amen? Bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that those here watching us today, those of us in this room, God, that we will start to see the things in our life that we've made excuses for. God, things that weren't sinful, but they're just things. They're insignificant. They're futile. They're empty. I pray that you start to show us what those are. And help us in this moment today to just begin to let go of them and say, I can do with less of that. I don't need that. I need more time with Jesus. God, begin to reform our priorities. Come into our heart and help us to begin to restack the building blocks of our lives. So there's a stronger structure there that's built on Jesus. God, for those watching right now who don't have a relationship with Jesus and we're like, I don't know how I feel about God. This is all new to me. I pray that you show them, God, that you will satisfy them more than anything else their life could ever produce. I pray, God, that you make it clear that walking to know God more, that walking to tell others about God is the greatest decision they can make and that they would never regret it, that it will do more for them than anything else. I pray that you just open their hearts and their minds to be able to receive that truth because everything is about you. We will be so much more satisfied if we live to reflect you rather than just trying to please ourselves or just trying to please those around us and appease the crowd. That won't satisfy, you satisfy. God, today, whether we're Christians or whether we're not Christians right now, everyone listening to me, God, help us all to just surrender our lives to you to go into a further step of getting closer to you. Whatever that next step is, we're all in a different place in our lives, but God, help us to take that next step, I pray. In Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet? Can we spend a moment just letting this soak up our minds and our hearts, all right, as we worship God?
0: Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's message. We want you to know that God wants a personal relationship with you. If you've never had that relationship with him, today is a great day to start. You can do that simply by saying, Lord Jesus, say this prayer with me, say, Lord Jesus, I know that I've walked my own way. I've done my own things. I've done what's wrong in your sight. And so today I ask that you forgive me for those things. I believe that Lord God, you sent your son Jesus to come and die on the cross to take the place for the penalties that I owed. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for taking my place. And thank you, God, that right now, that you are cleansing me from all unrighteousness and everything I've done wrong that has separated me from you. Help me now, Jesus, to have a relationship with you forevermore, amen. Hey, if you did that today, we're so excited for you. Please reach out to us, let us know. We'd love to help you in your next steps with Jesus.